installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, aka Colette Prosper. I am a comedy writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything from My Year of Dicks, uh, a fun animated short on Hulu, and also how not one, but two of last week's WGA award winners were past Yummy Coco guests. Yes, Ariel Carlin from the HBO show Hacks was in episode 77, and Karen Joseph Adcock was in episode 79. Fun fact about Karen is that she has two shows coming out uh, in the next couple weeks, um, Donald Glover's new show, Swarm, on Amazon, featuring Dominique Fishback with Malia Obama, uh, also a writer on that show. So that's coming out March 17th. The other show she's written on uh, this past year is Yellow Jackets Season 2, also really amazing. That's premiering on Showtime on March 26th. And so they both won awards. Congrats to the both of them. Very well deserved. This week's episode is super late because I've been working on scripts and doing mom stuff. Yesterday, one mom hugged me like we were Joel and Ellie from The Last of Us. These spring events are no joke. Elementary school events like talent shows and uh, these like musical recitals. Uh, it's survival of the fittest out there. And it's uh, it's a war of attrition in, it, in itself. You just you got to keep going. And it's uh, practice. It's rehearsals. It's tech rehearsals. Oh, my goodness. Uh, costume rehearsals. It, it's uh, it's it's a lot. So anyways, I also was applying to fellowships. Um, but. Anyways, this week, though, I had the pleasure of chatting with Jasmine Benward. She is a multi-hyphenate artist. You'll meet her shortly. But first up, some housekeeping. If you like the show, please give it a rate and review. It's how you can help people to find the show. And uh, let's kick things off with some recommendations. So, again... My Year of Dicks on Hulu. It's nominated for an Oscar. Um, Oscars are going to be out on the on Sunday. Who is somebody going to get slapped? I don't know. We'll see. Tune in. It's uh, My Year of Dicks is like super fun genre mashing animated short film created and written by Pamela Ribbon. She's also worked on Moana and Ralph Breaks the Internet. She's really famous in the animated world. Um, the movie itself, it's like 25 minutes. It's a cross between Lady Bird, Dazed and Confused, maybe with a splash of Clea Duvall's High School. Uh, it's really cute and just very um, 
imaginative and and fun and it's set in the early 90s so it has that kind of vibe too it's a lot of fun to watch uh on netflix i've watched the cheat it's a british games show um again i love game shows with a sociopathic element and it has that so tune in to that if you want also you season four part two is back also I really like Shrinking with Jason Siegel, Harrison Ford, and Jessica Williams. They just got renewed for season two. I'm excited. So that's what I've been watching this week. What have you been watching this week? Do you have a recommendation? Email me a voice memo to yummycoco at gmail.com and you'll hear your voice, your recommendation on my show. So before we get into my interview with Jazz, let's hear another recommendation. Hey, Amigoto, it's Carla just checking in, letting you know that I'm currently getting into Snowfall, the final season. Um, It's a little redundant because it's about the drug trade and it's kind of like, okay, we get it. But what I do like is a subplot about Leo. Leo is a former drug dealer who went to Africa and trying to broaden his horizons. And he really loved being over there with his girlfriend, but he had a crisis of conscience at the door of no return and decided to go back to the States because he was selling drugs and he felt like, you know, he was poisoning his own people. And so um, it was a really beautiful scene when he decides to come back to America and uh, because his girlfriend doesn't want to go. But, um, so now they're back in America and they come to LA and it's a war zone. And I really hope that we see what happens with his character because he's debating staying or going back. And there was a really beautiful scene where his girlfriend, um, she's, she breaks down because she she's like, there's too much crack cocaine and she may succumb to her addiction. So I really hope like we get to see what happens to the two of them. And that's what I'm watching. So that was Snowfall on Hulu. Great show in its last season. It's shot in my area of South L.A. Um, so now let's get into my talk with music supervisor, writer, multi-hyphenate artist, Jasmine Benward. And we're back. Awesome. Let's get into my chat with Jasmine Benward. Hey, Jasmine. Hey. I'm going to read your bio from Instagram. Okay. And then we'll talk about it because these are all very interesting things and it all relates to our conversation. So Jasmine Benward is a queer neurodivergent storyteller, multi-hyphenate artist, music supervisor, logo file. Mm -hmm. And then she's written for... Uh, Refinery29, Healthline, Daily Dot, and more. Let's talk about it. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you. Yay. I'm so happy to be 
Yeah. Okay. So first up, what are you, you're really busy. You're, you do a lot of different things. I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about music supervision. That's a really interesting field. Uh, it's so important. We hear a lot about it um, when there are like certain episodes of like needle drops with like needle drops or like, um, I just think about like uh, certain episodes of Euphoria and people, and then also uh, Yellow Jackets because it's the same music supervisor. Now I can't remember her name, but she was getting a lot of attention like on Twitter, like, oh my God, she's... Um, Whoever is in her group, um, I don't know the name of her company. I cannot remember her name. Jen something. Jen Malone, yeah. Jen Malone. So, okay. So, yeah, she does a lot of uh, really cool shows. She picks really cool songs. There was a great episode of Euphoria where it was, like, all in excess to, um, to, like, for, like, this 80s sequence um, and then uh, there are just so many. I, I think of like Martin Scorsese movies um, where there were just like very famous needle drops. And so music is such an important component to uh, visual art. So I want to talk to you about that. Um, and, and then also you are an artist, you're a writer. Um, but like when you're not doing any of that, what what do you do? Like. How do you, what do you, what do you fuck with on TV? Like, what are you watching? I'm watching The Last of Us right now and Poker Face. Those are kind of my, my two favorite shows at the moment. What are you into right now? What do you, um, like when you are not doing all the many things that you're doing, what do you do? What are you watching? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, I just started The Last of Us also. My mom was oh. like let's watch it. She visited me this past weekend. And so I got to watch the pilot at least, but yeah. I'm like a little behind, but it's so good already. Yes. Um, Reasonable doubt. I'm watching. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I have not watched that. Ramala Muhammad is the showrunner. Yeah. She's, she's really great. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's musically influenced. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, based off of Jay-Z's, work like and the music is really good in that one too um so i'm watching uh, um for a reasonable doubt um Mm -hmm. yeah like i believe the titles are named after some of his songs or albums something like that um jay-z yeah yeah i thought you said daisy i'm like who's oh i'm sorry no (laughs) jay-z oh jay-z okay yeah reasonable doubt yeah and then as besides that, I'm re-watching, like, favorite romance dramedies, like, features okay. for, like, comp um, value, because I'm okay. about to write a, um, like, a love pilot. Nice. Yeah. So, so a musically are you based also one, watching, Are you also watching Best Man? Have you seen? I did. I did. Um, the final chapters. Yes. Uh, I loved. Um, I loved their use of like elapsed time. Um, uh-huh. Did you finish the entire? Yeah. Uh, okay, great. So yeah. I'm not spoiling. Don't worry about spoilers. Okay, great. But I was like, oh my goodness! Like, I love the calendar bit and them going back and forth and playing with time. Like, yeah. oh, this gives us something new to think about. Like, um. It, how to work a montage like in a different way mm-hmm. so i really i really love that 
Yeah. yeah and then you had the different perspectives you had from uh, Tay Diggs' uh, character, you had from Neil Long's character, and 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 what was happening in their life at that moment in time, um, especially the episode where you don't know where Tay Diggs and Neil Long, like you don't know if they really like hooked up or or what, and uh, Terrence Howard was having a heart attack at that at that point, mm -hmm. and so you get these like different perspectives. And then I think um, uh, the merch, uh, the character merch was mm -hmm. uh, was doing like MMA fighting. I really liked it. It's it's not like the the best the best man final chapters is not uh, the best you know, to use the word. It's not mm -hmm. the best, but I really enjoyed it. I I was giddy, like especially like the first episode, the first episode because I love the movies so much, mm -hmm. and I went in with an open mind because I was just happy to, to see all of those characters. I love everyone. And mm -hmm. then it's also just really cool seeing people who are like over 50, black, like black people over 50 years old. It's the same reason why I loved the movies in the first place. Really cool to see upperly mobile black people being friends and having a good time. And then now it's like upperly mobile black people in their fifties having okay. a good time. Like it makes yeah. me happy. So yeah. I, the, I I took it for that. I'm not taking it as like, um, like the ultimate in prestige TV. Um, it's prestige in my in my a point in my view, but mm -hmm. it's uh, you know, I I I just uh, I say to to everyone, it's just like have an open mind when you watch it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is very dynamic. Yeah. Okay, so you're watching. You you've watched Best Man. You just started The Last of Us. How mm -hmm. far are you into The Last of Us? Um, I'm like midway through the pilot. Um, I didn't even get to finish it, but what it's I saw long. already, yeah, yeah, but so good. It like, yeah. I'm excited to binge. Um, I'm one of those people where like all, you know, hear something is like buzzing around, everyone's talking about it, but then because I'm doing so many things, it yeah. all kind of slow to come around. But uh -huh. um, yeah, I, I was hooked from jump. And I was like, oh, this is something special. And I can't wait to like dig in. And so um, over the past weekend, I was like getting ready and it was still like going, even though I should have paused it. But yeah. the, one of the main characters, her, her and her little potty mouth, I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> is going to be great. Yeah, like, Bella Ramsey's character. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I'm excited yeah, uh -huh. to watch the rest of it. Yeah, it's it's really, it's very it's hard to get into it. The first, the first two episodes, episode three is really great. Uh, and then once you have gotten over that, uh, that hump, then it's, um, it's riveting and, and you become, um, you really root for the characters. Uh, Pedro Pascal is doing like really amazing work because he, he's very stoic and he's trying so hard to not melt and and let his feelings get in the way of his and um the person that he's trying to save um his purpose like his purpose right now is to save this um this girl who is immune to the virus she's been bitten and so he has to um get her to this facility where hopefully and they don't know 
hopefully they can make a vaccine using her blood. Um, we see in, in a later episode that it might not be easy, as easy as they think. Um, I won't tell you what happens, but like, uh, it's, it's just, um, you know, it starts off with like, um, he's telling her that, that she's cargo, um, that she's not family, but I'm on episode, I just finished episode five and I'll just say that like by episode five, they, it becomes like, they become sort of like a family it's it's a very it's it's really moving. I didn't play the video game. I don't know if you did. No. Okay. So you're watching romance. Mm-hmm. What are you watching? And we're talking the night before Valentine's Day. Sure what that. are you watching? Okay. That is romantic and that is like you know inspiring you. Yeah. Okay. So. um the pilot I'm gearing up to write is a love story and it's musically based. And so I went back and watched um, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Oh, it's a great I, movie. Yeah. Um, what else? Brown Sugar. Yeah. Um, Hittix again. <laughs> um, what else? And Sonalathan. Yes, exactly. I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, they were. You know, and you know, Nicole Ari Parker. She yes. was in that movie also, and she made a, a guest appearance in Best Man Final yes. Chapters. Uh huh. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, what's another one? Love Jones, of course. Yeah. And yeah, I think. Those so are, are the your ones characters? Are, oh, I'm sorry. So are your characters like? Um, is it is it in a jazz world? Is it hip hop? Like in a like a Brown Sugar? Is it? Uh, rock like Nora, Nora, and Nick and Nora's um, playlist. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, what world are they in? So, um, luckily for these characters, they get to be in all of the world because nice. um, one they're one pan of the, musical. Yes, they're pan musical. It's like, mm, do I give it away? But sure, why not? Um, one of the protagonists, I'm making her a music supervisor. Oh, cool! Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Yeah, so um, I love how um, in shows like Scandal, you know, they would get their briefs each episode, and so they'll also get that um, when it comes to her work world. Yeah. Um, so we'll. Oh, that's get... the conceit. So it's like a like kind of a, a case of the week, but like musical project. Yeah. Kind of thing. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And that's more like see her see story her being at work and stuff yeah but um yeah I'm, I'm excited to just have a an abundance of different styles and genres and time periods because that's um as I'm interning in sync um currently that's uh-huh. what my day-to-day is like and it's such a beautiful and like filling thing to wake up and know that I'm going to be pulling music every day, but no day will be the same. That's awesome. Okay. So I love your concept. What is your day-to-day when you are at the music supervising company? Okay. So right now I'm like doing it independently um, on the indie level. So um, different friends are creating pilots and doing short films. And so that's gotten my start. And so, so where you're uh, selecting the music for their indie projects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've had listening sessions of my own um, through um, an organization called Finesse Media, which is amazing. Um, Alexi's one of the co-owners and um, they invited me to an LGBT listening session sometime last summer Mm -hmm. um, because I'm an artist as well. And they're like, oh, you know, just come as a guest, like audit, and we'd love to have you like join us for like future sessions. So people played their music. They got feedback in the moment um, from other uh, folks on the call. And Uh so I reached back out to them and I was like, hey, like um, I'm doing music supervision for some indie projects. I need music. I need lots of it. And so um, we've been uh, collaborating to have listening sessions. Wow. And yeah, and so there's so many talented artists out there, unsigned, you know, you don't need to be signed anymore, which is amazing. Um, And just so many, all different um, styles and flavors, like really whatever you could want, like, man. And so I've been able to draw from that bank. Um, The last time I did an all call, I got like over 300 submissions. And I was like, whoa, wait, like, I was an all call. Um. For like, um, for music submissions. Yeah. Um, so basically. So it's um, like, I need music stat for this project. Exactly. Yeah. And so. Um, where do you put a query like that out? Like you put mm-hmm. that on Twitter? Like where do you blast yeah. that so people know? Twitter and I are such good friends. Um, Twitter and Instagram have been my go-tos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been doing that and getting like good responses first it was like I was like oh you know before I even knew about uh disco which is like a popular um like metadata um site in order to like those things and have them all in one place um yeah before that I was like oh yeah I'll just make like a google form and so it's like over 300 uh people and then I had about 100 people in my twitter dms as well and I was just like wow this is amazing Wow. Um, yeah. Well, so. yeah, I mean, I'm married to an unsigned artist. He's played with a lot of people. Um, but I imagine to get the attention of like a music supervisor, you have to be really um, active on social media. Maybe you have to be like um, performing. Like, how do you get the attention of a music supervisor? You know, you would think that you had to do all of that, but honestly, you don't. I feel like the most important thing that you could do is, uh, as an artist is have multiple versions of your tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at this cool post about a week ago saying that you needed to have um, uh, nine variations of the same wow. song. And so it's basically like, let's see if I can remember them. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably get most of them. The instrumental version. Mm-hmm. Um a clean version, the explicit version, mm-hmm. the version with um, your chorus, um, just the chorus and instrumental. Mm-hmm. Um, one that's just acapa- um, acapella, if I haven't said that already. Um, and he just went on and on and on. And it's like, wow, that's something that most folks wouldn't think about. But honestly, when I'm in the catalogs um, on the interning side with a more like robust um catalog a lot of the music is not even released it's like um it's been sent it's part of the catalog but it's not you know out for the public so you don't have to have 
presence. You don't have to be popular. You don't even have to be performing. Um, I feel like having the different versions of your tracks ready to go and having them um, what's called uh, one-stop clear. So basically making sure that it's registered. Um, like ASCAP registered. Exactly. ASCAP uh-huh. BMI. Um, Zach. Making sure that the paperwork is in order so mm-hmm. that uh, you can be credited and that they don't have any issues on the legal side. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's and it's everything. It's um, it's jazz. It's acapella versions. It's cover versions of different songs. It could be something that's vintage, um, like a vintage cover. World music's really popular. Regional music's really popular because a lot of the shows are. Um, are based um, in specific places like your city girls, which is in Miami or your P Valley like for rap shit or something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Music supervisors need everything, but I feel like as a musical artist, it like would benefit um, those folks to keep up with the trades. Like we keep up with variety. We keep up with um, acting. Yeah. All that stuff. But yeah. they should do because um, like knowing who's getting the overall deals, knowing mm-hmm. which shows have been um, greenlit will help them know um, if that's something that they want to do in terms of like getting seat placements into a show or a movie, what's coming up and what they could prepare for. Yeah, because like someone like because I eons ago, I worked as a publicist and I worked um, for, it was a musical artist and my boss, um, one of the things that they promised is that they would get their music heard by a music supervisor. So I was contacting a lot of different music supervisors, people that were really well known and I, I can't think of their names anymore. Um, but I am I'm trying to like imagine like a Jen Malone office, like what that would look like. Um, just mm-hmm. because she's been she her music, her selections have been, you know, featured on like like big shows. Um, I wonder what that's like, you know, getting her attention, even if it's um because like her whole thing it seems like is like needle drops. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like playing that like really popular song that people love and um, whereas like a show like Love is Blind and not to like um, make fun, but like the music is terrible, but no. it's independent. It's just like it's like a, it, and I feel bad, but it's just like it's it's not good music. Uh, it's like, it's kind of like, uh, it was almost like kind of a, like a hard rock, hard, like pop. And remind Um, me, uh, that's unscripted, right? It's unscripted. Oh yeah. Okay. So a lot of times they, for unscripted, the focus of the content, I feel like is different, right? Um, Mm -hmm. since there's no actual, there is storytelling, but you know, it's not, necessarily like linear we're not like following it it's very like um um you know person by person I guess that um yeah they don't really give budget to the music they don't put emphasis on it 
No. So they're just, they're taking whatever they could get. And yeah. the music does like fit somehow because you have, um, you have a moment where like, um, say, uh, Zainab, she leaves, um, this guy at the altar and she, she tells him that she's, he's, you know, shattered her self-confidence and that she needs to think about herself. And then she storms off and then the, 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 you hear the music, you know, wafting in and it's like, so I left him. And so kind of like, it, you know, it, it adds, it does add to the scene, but it's just like, where did this song come from? I don't know. Got um, you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there a, a movie or a, any kind of project that you've seen where you're like, wow, that's, this is high key, like, you know, next level music supervision. This is, this is excellent music, music supervision. Oh man. Um, yes. Um, it, it pains me that I do not remember her name, but there are lots of favorites that I have and, this person is actually no longer with us, but she was a oh. black music supervisor. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, I have to follow her. And she's no longer around. Um, well, what what projects? Like movies? Want, yeah, for features. Yeah. And then recently, um, um, your Jim Malone's, your Keir Lehman's, they do amazing work. Um, mm-hmm. I follow a whole bunch of different composers. Um, cause sometimes I'm listening for that too. Like not even the, the, um, just the music supervision, but the, the composers too. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, um, what else is there? Goodness. There's just so many things. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really, it's an, it's an awesome field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, so it seems like you're entrusted with projects um like you're you're given an indie project and you can select music for that project yes do you have to get approval from the company once you've you've picked the songs yes i um i'll go through and sift through music first and then i'll pitch them what i believe are really good suggestions sometimes um the conversation is before production. So maybe mm-hmm. I only have the script or only have like an overview. Um, yeah. And then other times I have cuts available and that helps even more. Um, so yeah, I've been brought on at like different stages, but it really helps. And I've been like pushing for everyone um, that I've spoken to to like start having the conversations and pre-production and thinking mm-hmm. about the and pre because I feel like um, the shots can be so much more informed and impactful if um, you know if the music is cleared and like thought about on the front end versus waiting until post to scramble to get music together so that's one of my like big dreams and pushes for like my trajectory and the and the mark that I want to make on it is like really playing to the music and having it be a character of its own and have a life of its own because it was intentionally thought about, you know, beforehand. 
Okay, so um, so I brought you what you're saying um has brought up a lot of questions for me. So like licensing one, but then also just the idea of like when I think of different songs and I'm daydreaming about like a different project that that I'm I'm writing and I'm thinking about different scenes. Sometimes a song will pop up in my in my mind. The thing is, is that with licensing, it's like you have to ask permission to play the song. You you probably have to pay a fee. Um, okay. Someone that I had on the show, uh, Erica, Erica Hamilton, he had a really amazing short. And the short was um, pegged to music from the band Journey. So... Mm the band journey don't stop believing this woman was like really obsessed with the song. And so it was like really crucial that she get permission to have that song in the movie. So like, so that was, that's an example of somebody in pre-production, like, because like that was the whole concept of her movie. Like, okay, I have to have this, but you know, like are, when you're writing, or when you are working on something, like, are you thinking of the music? Are you thinking like, you know, this song would be really great. Um, for me, I, I don't know. I feel like I'd have to see the project first mm-hmm. before I could, I could start selecting music. I don't know if I would know in that moment or even in the writing process. Because also that's um, also something that people advise you not to do. Like when you're writing a script, don't write like a popular like in Q in, you know, don't stop believing by journey because mm-hmm. you might not get the licensing. Um, it might not even work for that moment. So uh, like, don't, don't infuse music, but your like your project is all, all about music or even like uh, a movie like high fidelity or the TV show high fidelity. It's all about music. So in those instances that it's, it's crucial that like you, you list music, you talk about music um, anyway, so like, what about in your process? Are you thinking about music as it's, you create? Um, it's so fun. No project is the same, but a lot of times the inspiration for the writing comes from music. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be listening to a song and from, you know, like a three, four minute song, I'm thinking of a whole world and a whole concept. So I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know. How can I make this into like a robust, like full story? Um, And then other times it happens where, you know, I have this concept already, but then in order to do work and stay in that world, I'll create a Spotify playlist. And um, just to set the mood and the tone for like my writing process. Mm -hmm. And um, it'll help me get back in that world. Like for instance, um, one of my goals this year is to finish my debut novel and it's, um, a historic period piece. Um, and that's awesome. Thank you. So I'll listen to what time period, um, the seventies. I love the aesthetic. So, um, I'm listening to like a lot of seventies, like rock steady, um, and, and rock and, and stuff when I'm, writing so that I can be in that headspace, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So sometimes it's the chicken, sometimes it's the egg, but um, uh-huh. it 
for me because I feel like my two buckets are writing and music. They they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, and on like the highest level, I would be writing original music for my project. So that's something that I have a skill set to do. And um, you know, you if play? I have, um, I'm a vocalist and I write. Yeah, that's so awesome. I don't. I don't proficiently play anything. I wish I did. Um, you know, never too late to start. But um, that would be like the ultimate bridge into the things that I love is like, oh, I could write some original music for this piece as well and know that it's going to be clear because I did it, you know? Yeah. You know, it's really awesome. And I, I didn't realize this before. And I'm just discovering this now is uh, the movie Halloween. So John Carpenter, he composed he, like, he composed the theme to Halloween um, I was recently watching a little bit of Escape from New York. He also did the music. Um, I I haven't done a lot of research into like John Carpenter, but I just think that that's super awesome that, yeah, like you make your movie and you do the music because like, you know, the you know, the sound, you know, that, you know, the whole, the beats of the movie and you know how you want it to to move and 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 how you want uh people to be affected by it so that is that's awesome so you would yeah. be doing like your own vocal stylings yeah or even just writing it like I could get someone else to do the vocals for like different you know moods and stuff uh -huh. but making sure that it like fit the story and like even writing a comp to something that I did want if I couldn't get it cleared, you know, I would yeah. have that insight to do it. One of the very first people that I started um, watching their careers was um, Katori Hall. I'm like, yes. wait a minute. I'm like, she directs and she's a Comey supervisor and she writes and, you know, and she's a playwright. I'm just like, whoa. Um, she's you know, a what like, supervisor? Music supervisor. She is? She is. I didn't know that. Yeah, she's up for um for a Guild of Music Supervision Award with radio. For P Valley? Um, for P Valley. That's and, amazing. You know, yeah. that's one of my favorite um opening credits. Me too. Me of too. Of the TV show. Yeah. I'm always like I always end up watching, even though I, I know it, I know the song. One, two, check. I I just always <laughs> watch it. Yeah. 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 Is that one thing I I don't skip the intro? Yeah, it's very I love it and it's like it's hunting but it's like urban and it's like racy and it makes you yes. wonder what the hell's going to be in the cold open. You know, like it's so good. Wow, and so she does all of that. I had no idea. Mhm. Mm okay, yeah, okay. So I I love her more. All right, so Katori Hall. So what about you when you're selecting music for a project? Are you watching the project first? Are you reading any material that the director producer gives to you, like a, a like maybe like a one sheet on what the movie is and and what the the feeling, the the style, the the ambiance or whatever, and then you watch it. Like what what's your process in selecting? music mm -hmm. so far um so far most projects have been where I've seen the script first um mm -hmm. helps to be a writer in that way 
but it'll be like a, a one pager, have the log line, the synopsis, then it'll be followed by the, um, the, the script. And so it'll be like a pre-spotting session where it's like, all right, I know I want this type of music in this scene. I want this music in this scene. And they'll give me um, some buzzwords or keywords. I'm like, okay, so I'm taking notes um, and thinking about what could be there before it's even shot. And mm -hmm. then um, there has been one project that was um, mostly done and I came on and post. And so I was able to watch um, watch the assembly cut. That's what I started with. And just what's grew. the assembly cut? Mm -hmm. It's like it's a very rough cut. It's not yet the director's cut. Um, and it has um, the scenes assembled in linear order, but it doesn't have like the bells and the whistle. So it's still missing the um, the sound effects and the composer hasn't done their thing yet. And it might still have coloring issues. So oh, wow. um, it's like so it's a very super. raw cut. Yes, very raw. Wow, but you have to be able to watch. So a music supervisor, if they are given the assembly cut, the raw cut, they have to be able to think, like, what would be good in this moment? Like, what song could be good in this moment? Yeah. Wow. It's It seems easy, but then it's kind of hard, too, because there's a balance to it, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's like, at the end of the day, you're still pitching, like, I trust myself, you know, I trust my gut, but then um, I may get pushback and then I might have to go to the drawing board or I may pitch something, but not hear back from the artist and have to go back to the drawing board. So it's like different moving pieces, but um, I love it. And it was a little hard for me in the beginning because like we uh, spoke about earlier, like I'm a career pivoter and in the very early stages, I just spent time talking to like whoever would talk to me, but different, they happen to be different, um, different folks in the music industry who were music editors, uh, music composers, and then music supervisors. And they mm -hmm. were all kind of giving me the spiel to like pick a lane. And I'm like, okay, hmm, what do I do? So yeah. I, I had a little um, entry point into composing, but then I had tech issues with the DAW. Like I was on a very rudimentary DAW, did not have the right technology, did the best I could. Like I still have some pieces that I'm proud of. Um, uh -huh. But because I had so many tech issues, I was like, okay, how do I still do what I want to do and get the job done? And, um, you know, you use, you use the same, um, for like composing that you would to edit so that was out and I was like well music supervision and mm -hmm. uh, I got to go to a music conference um October of 2022 and the music supervisors from radio were there um, oh wow and I don't understand totally about radio but it seems like there's a kind of music supervision uh, mm -hmm. component because um I think that radio selected music for insecure um, possibly was selecting music. I would, I would imagine for like rap shit. Mm -hmm. So that's really smart. So, yeah. Yeah. So what did, what did you learn? Oh, I learned so much, but it, it like, it solidified what I wanted to do. And that was yeah. the best. Part. I was like, okay, not composing at this moment. I'll get back to that. Sometime. 
like, I'm not composing right now. I'm not music editing right now. I want to be music supervise. But mm-hmm. it, it was such a wealth of knowledge. I'm sure they, uh, Stephanie and Sarah are the, the two um, women who spoke to us. And I'm sure they got annoyed of me because I had so many questions. But I was so That's interested. And I, was, and I was like, okay, this is how I know that this is what I want to do. But they, they were able to bring in clips of, um, of P-Valley because they worked on that. And of, um, oh, wow. you know, Insecure and different shows like that and show what the what the music was for those scenes, how they came to be. They talked about having to, you know, chase after artists and and get them to to uh, buy in and be on board. And they showed us what a music brief was, which like changed the game for me. Um, What's that? Yeah. Okay. So it's basically like this um, hitch document for a song, like uh, similar to what we'd use as like a synopsis or a treatment for mm-hmm. um, like film or television. It's like yeah. that, but for a song. So it's, it's giving you the title of the song, um, who wrote it, the length, the tone, the mood, the why. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all laid out. Like you're making your claim for why this is the best choice of song for this. Wow. Scene. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, it helps the team. So it's like this document that is living, but then executives can see it, artists can see it, and it helps like, you know, drive the story, but it mm-hmm. gives the why. Like why, why this song mm-hmm. instead of, like um, the movie, and I always think about, uh, so like the movie, The House, House of Gucci, um, they had some needle drop moments, one of which I, I didn't think that was like necessary. They played um, a song from the 80s called uh, Here Comes the Rain Again. But that was like supposed to be a big moment because um, Lady Gaga's character and Adam Driver, they were drifting apart. So uh, they moved to New York and then she's posing for pictures for him and, and on this like balcony and then it starts to rain and then they play Here Comes the Rain Again. So... I guess like a music supervisor possibly like wrote a treatment saying why why it should be this song for this scene or maybe it was uh Ridley Scott that said you know what it needs this song um who knows but but it but it, I I I didn't know that like you you had to sort of write like a pitch for it that's pretty incredible mm-hmm. It's interesting I'm learning kind of both sides of it the buyer and seller side so the seller side would be like the sync side where um you know you're pulling from artists and saying hey and giving it to the the networks or the the feature team or whoever it is and then the um the buyer is the music supervisor so it's Mm -hmm. like so it's so cool to see how it works like you know full full circle how it gets pitched, how it gets accepted, who gets the final say, which is, you know, yeah. ultimately showrunner, director. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible because, like, I'm I'm also thinking about, like, Stranger Things and the Kate Bush song, Running Up That Hill. Yes. Uh, that was that was huge. And then, uh, thankfully, Kate Bush owns the, the rights to the music, so she made a ton of money with mm-hmm. – um, with that song i think metallica also um made a ton of money when um i think it was like ride the lightning or something something was uh 
played also in Stranger Things. Uh, but then Linda Ronstadt for um, The Last of Us for episode three. And I'm not going to tell you more because you haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. But like that song, there was a song called like Long, Long Gone or something like that. And that is uh, pivotal to, you know, what happens in the episode. And she doesn't see any, like, Linda Ronstadt doesn't get any money for it because she's already sold her catalog. So whoever owns the catalog gets the money. Yeah. Gets the money for for that feature. It's like you finally, you've you've pitched the, the music, the higher ups are down. Everyone likes it. Director likes it. Everyone has signed off on it. Is, is it then that you're trying to look to like the licensing, like you're trying to get permission, you're trying to see like what, what is available because that also you, it, that could start the clock back where you have to um, do it all over again. Are you yeah. doing it simultaneously when you're, when you're crafting your pitch? Definitely. Um, I've had to get one, um, one like big song cleared from Universal. The rest have been like um, bartering, credit-based, whatever. But for this particular um, project, I did have to reach out to Universal and get um, permissions. And so very early on, thank God, I, I like caught the mistake before it got to the director. But I had to learn because I'm you know, pretty self-taught that yeah. there's a master in publishing side. So I got to talk to one department and they gave me the rate and I'm like, okay, great, cool. And I found, I quickly found out that there was another side and that needed to get cleared as well. Oh, wow. So I'd gotten the, the master clearance, um, the rate and like acceptance on that end. But then I also had to reach out to their publishing department and um, pay, we had to pay for that too. So it's, Two different prices and two different, um, usually it's the same. They'll say like per side, so master and public side. But um, you're you're paying twice for the same song. Wow. Um, and you have to get it approved from both departments or you can't use it. So um, I learned that very quickly. I'm like, all right, cool. Now I'm, I'm good for like future stuff. But it was a great learning opportunity to see how it worked and like, liaising with the different music coordinators and having a close look at the um agreements and the terms um so yeah is there a song is there like a a band or singer that is notorious for like not wanting to share their music for movie or tv projects i don't know if you know Ooh, i don't know but now I'm curious. <laughs> Do people like in your circle and like the music supervising circle, they, no one says like, oh, this person's hard to get. Like, oh, I don't know if you're going to get, you're, you're going to score with this one. I'm not that in yet, but I imagine like the more um, prestigious the artist, yeah, the trickier it is because they're going back and forth negotiating the rate, you know, like smaller artists or independent artists, they're just happy to be getting a placement and happy to get a couple coins. But like the more esteemed, there's this back and forth negotiations about like getting the highest rate, you know? So yeah, yeah, I don't specifically know anyone 
um, by name, but I imagine that's how it goes. Okay. All right. So let's go back to writing because like one thing, so when I was a kid, there was this, uh, long running commercial for, um, in, in New York, um, ABC eyewitness news. And in the commercial, you have this blue van and it's, it's from the point of view of a family. So it's the dad making home videos for the family of like, you know, their, their different activities in New York. And so as he's like filming their day, it's like, Oh, there goes that news van again. And it's to show that like they're everywhere. Hmm. And so um, I, you're kind of like that eyewitness <laughs> news van to me. Cause Every- I'm like, Oh, there's Jasmine. And I'm like, here's Jasmine. Hey. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then I, when, uh, when we were talking to um, Amy and Eobi, I was like, oh, Jasmine knows everybody in trouble. Oh. I'm trying. It's like, at a certain point, it's like, oh, I feel like a groupie. Like, I, I feel like the tag it's along. It's great. But this is how you make relationships with people. This is how you, um, you, and I told her, I was like, she does music supervising uh, because it's, you know, it's super cool. So like, you know, because it's part of like you're, you know, you doing all of these different things, you're trying to meet writers, but then you're also trying to meet music people. Um, and, and then you, you marry the two together. Or do you ever feel overwhelmed where you're, you're focused too much on one thing and not on the other? How do you find balance between the two? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I'm a work in progress. I just try to prioritize what's due first. And I try to finish or like reach out, circle back to people before they circle back to me. Um, but yeah, for like paid projects, I, you know, prioritize them. And then when I do music supervision for on the indie stuff, we have our like timelines. So yeah. I kind of keep that in mind, live by the calendar. And, but I have my own spreadsheet for like writing deadlines and different fellowships and things of that nature. So um, yeah, I, my evenings and my weekends, I'm working on my creative stuff. You know, it's like when I'm not out like networking and um, having fun at different creative events, then I'm probably writing or doing something music and musically inspired to make up for the time because as you know, but not the listeners, um, I teach for my day job. So yeah. um, Yeah. Lately I've been having like 80 hour weeks. Like, wow. It's, wild but um I'm in because of all the things that you're involved in it's 80 hours yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so I'm you know I'm sowing seeds as much as possible so that um my full day-to-day can be writing and music um so I'm like busting my chops right now to make that happen yes it's tricky. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm taking glorified naps, you know, but okay. um, yeah, it's, it's all for the greater good. Yeah. And where are you from originally? Mm, so I'm in Texas. Okay. I was in Georgia. Um, and I stayed there. Like Atlanta? 
uh-huh in atlanta uh-huh. um and i stayed there for undergrad then i moved to new york for graduate school um 21 mm-hmm. and stayed there for 10 years um and then as i began to start writing my first script was um insecure spec nice and- me too Oh, I love that for us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll have to swap. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I, as soon as I figured out, oh, plays or something that I want to be down with, everyone's saying, oh, the writer's in LA, the writer's in LA. So I'd never been to LA before, but um, I started applying to jobs in LA mm-hmm. because I was like, you know what? That's my next stop. I Like, I know what yeah. I want. Yeah, I'm, I'm going out there. So I, I applied and I came out sight unseen with a one-way ticket and it's been a year and a half now. Wow. Where where were you living in New York? I was in Brooklyn, um, different I'm parts. I'm from Flatbush. Of- oh, I lived in Flatbush for a while. I was just Okay, by- we, we, we live by Sears. Oh, amazing. Okay, okay. So you were by King's Theater. Yeah. Okay, great. I was um, by Prospect Park, like literally. Oh, from, nice. PLG. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Nice. Um, I was in uh, Bushwick for a little bit. And I also lived in the Bronx for a time, too. So I know oh, it's wow. too big. But yeah, Brooklyn, the Bronx for those, those 10 years. Yeah. You know, I haven't been back. I haven't been back since I left in 2019. My husband's from here. We met in Brooklyn and then we lived in Brooklyn for, for a really long time. And then I, I always say that, like, I, I felt like he was like grooming me towards like moving. Um, <laughs> it was like the best kind of grooming, like, you know, not like Jeffrey Epstein, but like, um, yeah. you know, I, I was groomed to like, you know, eventually live in California. And so here I am. Um do you miss New York? Are you liking your time here in LA? Is this where you want to stay? Oh, great questions. All right. I always miss New York. Um, but it's, it's kind of a disadvantage because I was in, I was there longer, but I love LA. Um, I just posted, I think today that, um, Mm -hmm. LA really is the city of angels. It's such a creative hub with such warm people who just want to make amazing stuff. And I've been in rooms that I didn't dream of being in, um, meeting uh, incredible folks and getting my feet into what I want to be my second career um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, ride it out until death to us part. So yeah, right until the wheels fall off. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I don't, you know, plan to retire. I want to be an artist for like the rest of my life. So um, the goal has always been to be by coastal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm working my way towards. It's like, okay, if I want to pick up and go um, be in the city for a bit and like, you know, have a beehive around me while I draw and stuff and fine. I've got lots of friends out there, different uh-huh. artists too. Um, and just, you know, my favorite little places that make me feel cozy, but um LA is definitely home now yeah I like LA I do feel like it's it's funny because New York there's so much energy there's so much um 
there's so much inspiration, but at the same time, you're in survival mode, just trying to like have money to eat, have money to like pay the gas bill that I wasn't, I definitely got stuff done, but I feel more creative out here. And I definitely do feel like there are more people that are interested in being creative out here as well. So, so yeah, I, I agree. But I definitely miss New York also. But I, at the same time, as I miss New York, I, you know, then I, I go outside. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't really have to wear a jacket right now. Right? It's like. And then I, I, then I forget about it. I forget, I forget about, you know. It's like my toe was missing. Temporary, like, you know. Yeah. This is great. This is nice. What's making you happy these days? Ooh. Um. I I really enjoyed having like my family come visit me in LA for the first time this from Atlanta. Week. Yeah, from Atlanta. Uh-huh. So family time. And then um my tribe here, like this month has been full of amazing opportunities. Um my mentor was in town and she had a screening. Um another good friend of mine had a screening with like live music in the beginning of it, the screening itself, and then a panel after. It's like just having, you know, being able to support my friends um, in their creative pursuits and linking up and catching up and like holding each other down has been bringing me lots of joy. I've had time to read, which nice. I always have time to do. So oh, have- it's so hard. What are you reading? So hard. Um, I'm reading... Um, a couple of books and they're like kind of like daily word joints so it's like not too much but one is um, um, 365 days of living consciously okay so it's like a little daily blurb of like um, like an antidote or a reminder with a quote and then it gives you something to think about like a conscious um, um, framework for the day and uh-huh. then other one is um writing I think it's writing dangerously 365 days and so it's uh purely focused on writing encouragement and so it also has like different stories and quotes and just things to remember like or think about in your practice and that's been great too it's like reminding me that even though I have all these things going on it's like I need to be present be conscious, be intentional, but also like have that lens as a writer, like you are a writer. So yes, it grounds you. you. It's so grounding. Yeah. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Ooh, yes. Please follow me on Twitter, write on jazz, W-R-I-T-E-O-N-J-A-S. Same thing for Instagram. Um, and then for any other social, it's Jasmine Benward, J-A-S-M-I-N, no, E, Benward, B-E-N-W-A-R-D. If you want to follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. And so we'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye.